Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. My friends, let's pray. Oh God, thank you for the gift of a new day. Thank you for the scripture that we're about to open and read. And we just pray that as we do so, that you would help us to hear whatever it is that you want us to hear. Give us ears to hear hearts that are wide open, wide open to your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we are in the book of Luke, the very end, chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. This is the day of the resurrection. On that same day that Jesus was raised from the dead, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. And then one of them whose name was Cleopas answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? Jesus asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer, suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. 
And then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is the story of the road to Emmaus. The four gospel writers all tell different resurrection stories, but one thing that they have in common is that many of them share that the, the resurrected Jesus was often not recognizable. They didn't know it was him. We don't know why, maybe he looked totally differently. Mary thinks he's the gardener. In another story, they think he's a ghost. And then here, these two conclude that he must be a recent visitor to Jerusalem. We can imagine how shocked the disciples must have been when this man strolls up to them along the road inquiring about what has happened and what they're talking about. Everyone knows what's just happened in Jerusalem. How could he possibly not know? You know they want to say, have you been living under a rock? But they are kind, they are polite, they don't say that. They say, are you a recent visitor, a stranger to Jerusalem? Well, in Greek, this word stranger is par oikos. Oikos meaning house, par meaning outside. So this is outside the house. It's actually the same word for an undocumented person, someone living in the country without citizenship. And they conclude that Jesus is a paroikos, and he doesn't correct them. In this story, Luke wants us to know that Jesus appears as a foreigner, an outsider, an undocumented person. Now, for Luke's first century audience, this story would have had some familiar overtones because divine beings often appeared as travelers in disguise. This was true in many of the Greco-Roman legends and stories, as well as other narratives from the Bible. You might remember the story from Genesis 18, where Abraham is visited by three mysterious travelers, and they announce to him and Abraham that they're going to have a baby. Same thing in Judges chapter 13, Samson's parents are visited by a mysterious being who says that Samson is on the way. Now, in every biblical story, there are different ways to engage the narrative and to try to hear what it is that God might be saying to us. Today, we can learn about the meaning of the Greek or Hebrew words. It's often the case that there's um, meaning that gets lost in the translation, so that can be helpful. Uh, we can study how the original audience would have heard the story, which also is something we just did. And we can also invite our imagination into the story, which is what I want to invite us to do now. Because Luke did not write these stories just to tell us something interesting that happened a long time ago. Not at all. Luke, just like all of the biblical writers, wasn't interested in simply passing along information his intention was to encourage our transformation so that our lives would be transformed, so that we too would experience this hope and this joy. So 
these two disciples are on a long seven mile walk. Can you imagine that? Now, some of you might say, okay, that's enough right there. That's definitely something I would only do in my imagination. <laughs> well, it would have been a dusty road. Maybe there was shade, maybe not. This is the Mediterranean region, so the temperature would have been mild, maybe like a spring day, maybe like a day like this in Southern California. Imagine yourself on a road like this with one of your most trusted friends, someone that you can talk about anything with. And imagine, what is it that you'd be talking about? What's on the top of your mind today? burning in your heart. Maybe like the disciples, you'd be talking about politics. Certainly over the last year, politics has been top of mind for many of us. Maybe you'd be reflecting on the pandemic and just where we are. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a difficult relationship. Maybe a decision you're trying to make. Maybe a concern about a loved one maybe a personal struggle, maybe your frustration about something or your grief. What would you be talking about on your road to Emmaus if you were on that journey today? Now let's imagine that Jesus walks up alongside you, but let's imagine that you know it's him. What would you wanna to say to him? Would you have a lot to say or just a little? Maybe you'd need more than seven miles. <laughs> what do you imagine that he might say to you? How would the conversation go? Now, of course, an exercise like this is one that we could spend a lot of time with. And maybe you wanna do that later today. Maybe you wanna reflect on this in a journal or with someone, or maybe you wanna take your own long walk. But I ask these spiritual direction questions to get us reflecting on what Luke hopes we are reflecting on, which is the presence of Christ in our own lives. And for most of us, this is, it takes some, takes some work and it takes some time. Because like those first disciples, we are at times all consumed with whatever is going on in our own lives, our own minds and our own hearts. So much so that at times we may have little to no sense of God's presence in our midst. Just like those first disciples, Jesus was right there, but they were completely unaware. Well, this story proclaims to us that whether we believe it or not, whether we're aware of it or not, Christ is alive and present with us, even if we don't feel his presence. And that God comes among us often in the most unexpected of ways. In this story, in the disguise of a traveler. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that next month is an opportunity to live out this very story from the Bible. It's a virtual pilgrimage and you all are invited to join. It's from the comfort of your own home and it's called the Camino de San Diego. And like all pilgrimage, pilgrimages, the purpose is to journey with God and to grow deeper in faith. 
It's hosted by our friends at the Border Church, and we're going to reflect on these ancient biblical texts that speak of welcoming the stranger in our midst. We're going to learn about migration and immigration. We're going to learn about people native to this land and this part of the world, and also the current situation at the border, and also some of the grassroots justice efforts that are seeking to welcome Christ in the form of the migrant. The idea here is to walk alongside one another, to give it some time to really listen and to learn from others who've had different life experiences than we have. Because we have to be honest and to acknowledge that we can do a lot better at walking alongside one another, coming alongside each other. It's just in recent weeks, we've been hearing about the need to individually and collectively do more to speak out against hate crimes toward Asian Americans, to speak out against every form of violence and racism. We have so much work to do in better communicating to each other, to our brothers and sisters everywhere, our one human family that we're all in this together. Well, Jesus appears to Cleopas and the other disciple as a marginalized person, proclaiming that through his embodiment of this particular identity, that there are no incisors and outsiders in the kingdom of God, right? Everyone is an insider. And we're in this life together with God and with each other. In some Native American languages, there is this sense of togetherness built into their very language. And they speak of this, this life together, in regards to every living thing, because in the living world, it's seen that we are all family. So they speak of plants and trees and bugs and the animals and the forest, even rocks, fire, oceans, they're spoken of as alive. So they wouldn't say that a tree, it has green leaves. Rather, they would say she or he has green leaves. You wouldn't say there's a bug in my you know, shirt and it's annoying me. No, you'd say this bug, she, he needs another place to be. <laughs> well, in Robin Kimmerer's book, Braiding Sweetgrass, she says that in some native languages, the term for plants, translates to those who take care of us, plants, those who take care of us. Isn't that the truth? Because the plants, of course, often give us food, energy, life. They also give us beauty, peace, joy. Well, considering this story and that the Holy One walks among us in disguise, can we think of the plants and the fauna, the flora, as a place where we find the presence of God living and breathing, walking among us? What if we Christians were known for having this kind of reverence for the creation? What if we were known for the way we fiercely took care of this earth that takes care of us? Not only living out the Genesis call to be good stewards of the earth, but considering this story from Luke that Christ's presence is here hidden among us in the plants, the trees, the flowers. 
Now, these two disciples, when they finally recognized that this strange visitor was actually Jesus, they are overjoyed. So much so that they get up from the table and they run all the way back to Jerusalem to tell everyone. Remember, it was seven miles and it was nighttime and they just had a big meal. But for these two, they couldn't stay put. They couldn't wait. They had to share this news. What kind of news would launch you out of your comfortable chair after you've had a big meal out the front door at nighttime to go find your friends who are seven miles away? What kind of news would be so good that it couldn't wait until the morning? Think about that. Now remember Luke, he is not telling us this story so that we can marvel at their experience. He's telling us so that this can be our story too, to say it can be your story, that God can fill us with this same joy. Maybe in this life, maybe not till the next, but the promise is that the joy, it is coming. Well, right now, the flowers are in full bloom, or they seem to be. And as they do each spring, they are again resurrecting color and beauty all over our area. And so I wonder if, as we see these flowers, if we can allow them to remind us of who we are. We are resurrection people. And like these flowers around us, we too have the capacity to spread joy, to spread beauty, to spread hope, all of course in our own unique ways, however we do that. But we are a resurrection people, resurrecting joy, resurrecting hope into this world that so desperately needs it. So let's pray that our hearts would be wide open, that the eyes of our hearts would be wide open so that we could see the presence of God, the presence of the one who loves us right here with us, resurrected and alive, continually walking alongside us to give us encouragement and guidance and hope, joy, peace, love, all that we need in this life. Friends, the promise of this story, the promise of the scripture is that in life and even into our death, we are companioned by our merciful and loving God. That's the good news. Amen.